Hello, and welcome to episode number 190. I'm Schmitty. I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. Uh, Colin uh, did make it out of the basement. With the ninja. With the ninja. Uh, he may not go on a second date, however. Well, maybe. I don't know. She liked him enough to keep him in the basement, so. Wow, that's kind of like harsh, dude. You just like automatically throw him out there in the first date <laughs> failure bus. That's like worse than the short bus. Nah, no, nah. he's still stuck at work, actually, which is why he's not with us recording. I do have a story to tell about that, but before I do, let's uh, say thanks to our friends over at trekradio.net, cryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, and stitcher.com. Shall we do that? Hello, let's friends. Hello, friends. Hey, we're also brought to you by The Giving Grinch. Uh, it's a wonderful cosplay for charity event happening November 29th. Uh, it got moved slightly from the last time we talked about it. In fact, we should have our very own doll face on next week to give us more information and uh, kind of explain where she's been and what she's been doing and why she hasn't slept in three weeks. So, yay. I'm excited for that. Indeed. I, Indeed. I think it'll be awesome, especially if she is extremely loopy. From the lack of sleep. <laughs> we do love our doll face Loopy. Because, because Loopy is just fun. <laughs> Speaking of Loopy, uh, Schmitty may die at any point this episode. Most likely. Um, <laughs> I may, yeah. Uh, we, we've had like a, a full 15 minute laugh fest before we finally hit record. But uh, no, last week uh, when I put the episode up, I put the episode up at like 1 a.m. Monday morning. Uh, Mountain Standard Time. And at 1.05 a.m., Colin messages me laughing about my reference to him being taken hostage during his date uh, and Zoner's whole lotion on the skin line saying that it totally made his day. (laughs) I don't know how hard it is to make a day at 1 a.m. That doesn't seem like a very high (laughs) bar to pass. Because you're you're only like an hour into the day. Exactly. This is the best thing that's happened to me in an hour. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, Hey, (laughs) I thought that was going to be funnier than it was. We have feedback from episode one, number 189, last episode, from our friend Ruff. Hi, Ruff. Uh, Zook, some feedback with regards to Amazon, their Prime service, and the new Echo. Prime, we have this and really only make use of the two-day delivery. It doesn't save us any money as I'm a cheap bastard and typically select the free delivery option, even if it is slower. In fact, I have... T- Take to select. I have taken to selecting the super slow option that gives me a $1 bonus to spend on Kindle books. It's not a bad idea. That's actually actually a really good idea. Yeah. Uh, Echo. I put my name down for this, but part of me hopes we won't get in the option to buy it. I know it just won't work with my accent. Our in-car Garmin navigator only works when we talk to it with an American accent, (laughs) preferably Texan. Uh, And then he sends me a video about a a voice-controlled elevator with two Scottish people in it who are trapped, (laughs) uh, which I shared with the guys, which was one of the reasons we were laughing for so long. But uh, thanks, Ruff. We appreciate it. Um, I don't know. Anyone else have this problem with the uh, voice activation and stuff? I um, I used to. I don't too much. Um, no, Google Now has gotten a lot better. I, I remember the first time Google Now came out that I had to to enunciate every single word like I was talking to a two year old. But now it's it's really really good now. Yeah, it's gotten much better. I don't need to really enunciate. I can just kind of moments. Okay, here you go. I- I still have that problem. And the reason why is my voice is low enough that if the microphone that's in the device isn't, you know, a really great quality microphone, it has problems. Now, Google Now is better than some other ones. I have a, a Jabra Freeway. It's this uh, Bluetooth speaker system that you, that you can hook to your phone, uh, acts as a speakerphone in your car, and it has its own voice uh, commands as well. It can't understand a word I say. 
And it took me screaming at that thing in the most enunciated voice you've ever heard from me. <laughs> I mean, I was going to have an aneurysm. I was laughing. I was yelling so loud at it. And it just could not understand me. And I finally caught on that it is my voice. And older voice control stuff. I mean, they've had voice controlled phones since like 2002. And none of them used to be able to understand me. So, I mean, Google now has gotten a lot better. Cortana often has no problems understanding me. Siri even can understand me some of the time. But then we don't have Ruff's wonderful accent. No. What if Ruff had a deep voice like Barry White? You think that would just, I mean, that's like the worst of both worlds there. That's your deep voice plus his accent. He's never getting anywhere from Siri. The, the phone wouldn't register anything except for on the Richter scale. I didn't hear anything from <laughs> no, your actually, There's an earthquake going on. <laughs> there is something worse you could have. You could have a deep voice and mumble in Finnish. Do Finns, is Finnish a language or is it yes, Swedish? Finnish is a language. <laughs> I don't know. Finnish is like furniture polish, isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought finish was like dishwasher detergent. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> dishwasher I knew detergent. it was something that okay. the women use. Send your hate mail <laughs> and feedback to feedback at stolendroids.com. Um, okay, into our episode this week. We got a lot of security breaches happening. And in the weirdest ways, they're all over the place. <clears throat> Prefacing that, let's go right into China. Because, hey, when we talk about security breach, it's typically China. China decided to hack the USPS, the United States Postal Service. Why? We don't know. Stamps are legal tender. I, I guess. Well, you know, the they really wanted the commemorative dinosaur ones. Oh, they've got those Batman ones out. I gotta go get those. Well, yeah. I would totally hack the USPS for those. Have you seen those? I would. Um, or I just spend ten bucks and go buy them. Allegedly. Yeah. Now, these uh, we should say they are suspected of hacking the USPS, but I think they're pretty sure. This happened mid-September, and they've been working on it ever since with the FBI leading the investigation to see who is in it. Nothing seemed to happen from it. No. It, some people think that they're just looking for information on people. Uh, the USPS does have a huge database of addresses and people that live there so it could just be a huge data mine opportunity and what better mm-hmm. place than the usps who has every single address in the u.s cataloged <laughs> so that actually makes a yeah. lot of sense well especially because they say that it seems that they did not appear to be interested in identity theft or credit card fraud right so i mean that that does carry a lot of weight they have been tied however to the office of personal management and the usis it's a government contractor who conducts security clearance checks now i know how much information is in that when i i I actually carried uh, for a while there uh, a government clearance uh, for a job and the application that i have to fill out was the same one the president fills out it's the same one no matter which level of security clearance you get and that's a big Uh, packet it's a freaking big packet, 27 pages, like six different references per page. None of them can duplicate. It's insane. Um, the FBI comes out and interviews you for it. It's a lot of information. So them getting into that kind of system is kind of scary when you think about it. And then into the USPS, who has other information and databases about addresses and people and where everyone lives. Also quite scary. So, um, Yay. You know, I think it's interesting because the Postal Service wanted to resolve this and shut it down as soon as the FBI notified them that they'd been breached. And they wouldn't let them. They said that acting too quickly could have caused more data to be compromised. I don't understand that. 
if you have a dam that's breaking, you want to stop it from breaking. Stopping it from breaking will not cause more water to come through in theory. How is yeah. how how is that? I mean, that's government logic right there. <laughs> well, if they have um, if they have their data stored on multiple servers, um, it's it's re- really hard to get all those servers shut down at the same time. So they're they're most likely if if they do shut it down, they shut them down in increment like fifteen minute increments or something. Yeah. And if if someone is hacking into the system at the time, chances are they're not all on one server at the same time. They're on all of them at the same time. If you start shutting one down, they'll start focusing all their efforts on the ones that are still open. Um, so that's probably what they're referring to. That, you know, you'll get you know more more data leak that way because then they start going in for the for the big scores faster. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. But still, that just the that just makes no sense in my ears. It goes into my ears and it, <laughs> it comes out as this person doesn't know what they're talking about. And I, I do understand, you know, if you've got a honeypot situation where, you know, you're the longer you can keep the hackers in, the more chance you have of catching them. I totally understand that. But when you say that if we stop them from hacking in, we're going to compromise even more data. That just something about that doesn't sound right to me. But I, I do see your point there, Schmitty. Yeah. And I don't know for sure, but that's one possible explanation yeah well and it's also a possible explanation the fbi are just bad at their jobs because the next headline comes uh, from tennessee where a uh, sheriff was forced to pay a hacker ransom to unlock some files they believe that a computer in the office of this police station um, was listening to streaming music and someone clicked an ad they weren't supposed to and installed a program that had malintent and instead of getting to listen to their tunes, it locked up over 72,000 files and said that they couldn't have access to them until they paid 500 and I think $27. I think it was just 500. Exactly. Well, they only ended up paying 500 in in Bitcoin and they called the FBI in and the FBI said, there's nothing you can do. Uh, The only way to get the get it back is to pay $500 in Bitcoins. I, it was probably the FBI behind it, and they just wanted. <laughs> I, well, this is confusing to me, and I don't want to second guess anyone because we're just reading a news story, and we weren't there. Right. And I have to assume that someone in the FBI knows a guy from Geek Squad who knows how to turn the computer on into safe mode. But here's the thing: I have been hit with ransomware in the past, not for a very long time because I don't get infected with viruses or malware. But that aside. I have gotten ransomware, and I've helped other people who have ransomware, and I have always been able to bypass it every single time. So there's a few (laughs) possibilities here. One, the ransomware was actually much more complicated and much more sophisticated, and the news articles simply aren't giving that information, which is possible. And it was targeted at the police department. Or two, the FBI has no clue what the crap they're doing. You know, it's interesting because my mom called me up probably a year ago and she ended up getting uh, that uh, that crypto locker or whatever it was, that yeah. virus that was going around. And she ended up getting that on her work machine. So she thought she was opening an email from a client overseas and it, it wasn't. Uh, and it hit their servers. It, it just propagated through their network. And she asked me, she said, what do we do? Can you come and remove it? said, no, but you got backups, don't you? I mean, they backed it up. They lost a couple days worth of data. 
but they restored their backup. You know, I mean, couldn't the sheriff's department do that? I mean, at least that's kind of depending if you have backups. Exactly, <laughs> that's where I'm going. What kind of idiot IT department do they have? <laughs> mm. yeah, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and and this was cryptoware that hit them as well. So it's possible, I, I believe that it's probably more likely that it was simply more complex and sophisticated than they're letting on or simply bothering to go into detail explaining because they don't think that's really the important part. But the sheriff's department did say that they were kind of forced, they had their hand forced because, uh, quote, every sort of document that you could develop an investigation was in that folder. There was a total of 72,000 files. That's what the, the deputy said. That's a, a lot. Yeah, and, and, and so it's, it makes sense that they're, they're playing it safe. If it if it was easy enough to to clean off or go, uh, you know, restore a backup. Uh, just the fact that they had case files on the line, maybe they're just playing it safe. Didn't want that out. So, yeah. And actually, um, anecdotal story here. I just found out today. I have a coworker whose wife works for a very famous photographer here in Utah, and uh, their computer just crashed. It got a virus and it crashed the hard drive. And they hadn't backed up. There was like a million dollars worth of photos on this one hard drive. Oh. And it was it was unreadable. And they had never backed up. Ouch. That's painful. Yeah. That's really painful. Well, actually, no, that's not the most painful part of this story. This particular painful part of the story was that they were they had actually licensed with a data recovery service. You know, those people who you send your hard drive off to and they actually dismantle the hard drive and read it sector by sector to restore the data. Mm-hmm. Um, only the assistant who was supposed to ship the hard drive off to them, they think, put it in a different box and it got thrown away instead. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, comedy of errors could not write itself. <clears throat> But hey, if you have an Amazon Prime subscription, you can now update. You can now back up all your photos and police investigation files, <laughs> or just take all your photos. There's always with that an silver Android lining. Phone. Yeah, I just take all my photos with an Android phone, and they're automatically backed up on Google Photos. <laughs> yeah, right up until right up until Google starts indexing the police investigation files. Yeah, if they haven't already. Okay. Um, Oh, I have that at the wrong spot. Let's jump into the U.S. Weather Service, which is not something we usually talk about. The Weather Service is kind of a funny thing in that it is very, very boring. Who cares? It's the Weather Service. Well, as it turns out, the U.S. Weather Service actually um, is vital to a lot of things, a whole lot of things. Uh, The military uses it. Our uh, NASA uses it. The FAA uses it. NOAA uses it. Well, they're the ones who maintain it. I mean, it's a really, really important thing. If we don't know how the weather is going to be, we don't know a lot. It got hacked. Uh, This happened last month. It happened in October. It actually managed to disrupt satellite feeds and several pivotal websites. Though it doesn't really explain which websites. Well, and they probably don't want to give that information out because, I mean, again, they 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 deal a lot with you know military and NOAA, and so I mean that they don't give a lot of detail. Uh, but the, this isn't. I, I think we're we're not hearing the full story here. Be, again, like like the like the sheriff's office thing, but uh, there's a lot more to this because just of the vast amount of data that the weather service has. I mean. So I, I don't know. We don't know much about it. Yeah. Well, and and 
Okay, has anyone ever seen uh, Trading Places, that old Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy movie? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So at the end, um, they're, they're trading stocks, and it's all based on an orange report. Okay, a report on oranges, how the cold weather has affected the orange crop. Mm-hmm. Then a whole lot of actual stock exchange stuff happens that I don't actually understand. It's actually quite complicated, but that's real. The stock exchange actually receives weather reports and bases the entire free market economy on those for agricultural things. And uh, it turns out the scientists at the Atmospheric and Environmental Research Lab in Lexington, Massachusetts, were unable to send the report to investors. So this this did not ever filter down to us. We never caught wind of it because uh, the public still had weather forecasts available to it. But it was um, uh, it, it was actually very widespread. It did not feel good. <laughs> Who knew, right? Who would have thunk it? Well, I remember years ago when we first started this show, people were always worried about public services getting hacked. You know, water treatment plants and uh, electrical power plants and all sorts of things. A nuclear power plant that could have been hacked a while ago. In what was you know, it, or? Yeah, and, and we're always worried about, you know, Dropbox losing our passwords or Target losing our credit card or, or you know, iTunes losing our nude pics or anything. But we forget that, no, there's a very real chance. If someone got into the Department of Transportation and started screwing with the traffic lights, that's a problem. You know, with light rail, with the subway system. Yeah, lives are in danger there. It's dangerous. Yeah. And so having the, having the mail system and the weather system hacked kind of alarmed me. Next, they're going to come after my Clash of Clans, and that's just mm -mm. no go. Mm -mm. (laughs) That's that's up there with drinking water and transportation. Don't touch that. (laughs) All right, um, let's jump back into LG. Yeah, let's go LG. LG has a new type of phone announced. It's not a great phone. It doesn't seem like it's ever going to come to the U.S. Um, it has eyes. (laughs) That's creepy. I, I, I can't describe it any other way. Um, they have eyes. This is yeah. This is the LG Aka phone, um, and there, there's four of them, and they all have eyes. One has a, a googly style eyes. It's, well, actually, actually, it's one phone. It's one phone with four cases. Oh, well, that makes more and sense. De- and depending on which case you have on it, it changes the personality of the phone. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> It changes the eyes and how they move and and and, and Aka spelled AKA. Um, there's four different phones. Each one has a different name. Each one has a different personality. Um, you're going to love this. Eggy, the yellow phone, falls in love easily. <laughs> yeah, you look at Eggy and Eggy looks like a pissed off emo teenager who will cut you. Yeah, Eggy does not <laughs> look like he's in love. Eggy looks like he's about to knock over a convenience store. <laughs> Okay, uh, Wookie, the white phone, is a wannabe gangster who speaks in slang <laughs> despite being cute and has urban Which, derp eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, soul, soul, the blue phone loves music and beer. Yep, and has kind eyes, evidently. And I love this one is going to get the feminists up in a bunch because the pink phone is named Yo Yo. And she's named that because her love for Coke and hamburgers causes her weight to yo-yo. Wow. (laughs) 
Yeah. Not, not I, good. Yeah, it won't sell in America, even if they try to. Now, the eyes, if you're wondering here, because I said they changed, are on an OLED back screen. They're on the screen on the back of the phone in the upper for, upper quarter, and they blink. <laughs> they blink regularly, in fact, actually. Um, uh, it's creepy. <laughs> now, Androids already get crap for bad battery life. What's this going to do to the battery life on this phone? OLEDs actually don't take a whole lot of battery. But they'll find a way to make it just suck off all the battery, I'm thinking. Yeah. I just... I, I don't know. The question to me is, and, and I think it's a good question, why? Well, it, this, is, this is obviously going towards a, 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 a completely different culture. It's marketed towards um, a culture that it has... Uh, for lack of a better word, goofy things like this. I mean, I, I remember seeing even even ten years ago when when flip phones were a thing, they had they had phones that looked like uh, um, Pokemon and and uh, to, Tamagotchis, things like that, and and that's that's re- that's regular. Um, so I I don't know. It's something that wouldn't sell really well here, but they go crazy for it over there in Korea, Japan. So. So what you're saying is because Asia. Um, Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing that makes me wonder, it says that not only does the phone's eyes change, but the personality changes as well. Now, you've got Yo-Yo, who's pissed off because she can't put down the cheeseburger and the Diet Coke. At the same time. At the same time. (laughs) If you, like, ask for directions, is is the phone just going to scream at you? (laughs) Or if you don't ask for directions... Wookie's going to send you off in the wrong direction. Yeah. Eggy... Soul is always drunk, and Eggy will just cut you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is the phone going to be, like, temperamental? It's just going to crash constantly because, you you know, it's that time of the month for the phone. I think I I'm not... Gonna... I think I'm not endearing ourselves to people tonight. <laughs> no, no, you're definitely... Well, tonight. <laughs> you are not the endearing one on this podcast team. I'm not. However, I am charming. <laughs> the question I have is is kind of I mean you're right I mean it, it's a different taste right it's a different culture and obviously this is meant for a different demographic these aren't the high end phones they they're kind of the midline specs but they're still for about five hundred thousand Korean won or about four hundred and sixty dollars U S so they're still expensive enough that they're consider they are expected to be like a fashion accessory now I think it would be cool to actually have a phone like a Tamagotchi a phone that you actually have to maintain like a virtual pet. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> Your phone pooped Here, however, and you didn't clean it. It got sad and died. <laughs> it died of cholera. Um, <laughs> there's an app for that. <laughs> there's an app for that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think it'd be cool if our phones could battle. That'd be pretty cool. And with <laughs> NFC now, I guess it could. Huh? They can. You just need to throw them. <laughs> They've only got like uh, one shot in them, though. All right, LG. Um, in slightly more useful news, Samsung is partnering with <gasps> BlackBerry. Because our episode wouldn't be complete without mentioning BlackBerry. <laughs> it's been like a month, you know. I, this is kind of exactly what what I was uh, thinking BlackBerry should do. Uh, I don't know if I brought it up a year ago or so, but... Oh, I'm sorry, just you or oh, all okay, of us? No. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it was one of my predictions that BlackBerry would take their take what they're good at, you know, security, and market that. Um but I never saw it 
them doing it with Samsung first. I thought they'd go with like Motorola or uh, I don't know. It's kind of surprising. Samsung already has their Knox system. If you don't know what that is, K-N-O-X, like Fort Knox, uh, it's an enterprise security software suite that uh, is installed on a lot of their phones that make them compliant with enterprise-level IT policies. It makes them very, very hard to crack into, um, make sure that everything is secure from the email server. However, not all their phones support it, and not all uh, infrastructures also support the policies that Knox supports. So what this is supposed to do is, using this partnering, BlackBerry will deploy a BES server with Knox compatible policies that will ensure end-to-end encryption of mail and other messages between Galaxy basically devices. all the best parts <laughs> of blackberry and all the best parts of Knox. yep and it only came two years too late yeah yeah so it's starting only on only on the galaxy line of samsung phones but i can see this uh, something that could possibly roll out to all android phones eventually since you know google was kind enough to give us some of the features of Knox in Lollipop itself, um, this this might be something that, that we see percolate throughout all the manufacturers eventually. So, hopefully. Mm. Is this going to be enough to save BlackBerry? No. no. What I foresee is actually going to happen here is that Samsung is going to swallow up BlackBerry in this, and then they will be the industry leaders in enterprise security, and everyone else will have to buy licenses from them. Ooh, wouldn't that be crazy if this was like an <laughs> elaborate takeover ploy? Blackberry, a Samsung company. I don't think it's so much a takeover ploy as it is simply a, oh, hi, you were useful 10 years ago, and now you have a bit of tech that we could use. Yeah, you're about one-tenth the size of us, so we're just going to take over, thanks. (laughs) The Blackberry division is Samsung. (laughs) Or does anyone forget what happened to Motorola or Nokia? Right. Or, you know, this isn't unprecedented. No, it's not. It just seems that, that Google themselves would have done this before Samsung. I don't know. I mean, that's a kind of a, a risky venture for Google to jump into. And Samsung has a lot more disposable money. They don't have a search or ad empire to maintain. They are strictly in the electronics business. Yeah, but Google has the the server and data infrastructure to support a full BES stack. So uh, that's that's my thinking behind it. That's true. I hadn't considered that. I maybe they didn't either. And go full BES right on a um, Google Apps domain, and I don't know. I, I see that going better, faster, longer than Samsung. So I don't know. That's my take on it. Google, if you're listening, yeah, I thought of it first. <laughs> <laughs> it would it would definitely be a feather in their hat since they're trying to go against Exchange. Google's yeah. trying to position itself for the enterprise market against exchange. Uh, and the downside there is that exchange is everywhere. It has its foot in the door, and it is the standard protocol for everything good. And Google, tries it might, does not have it. it. It just does not have its foot in the door. It does not have a good standard when it comes to enterprise mail, so much so that uh, Google Apps for Businesses, just it, it's not cutting it. If they had done this, or maybe they still can, they would have their own exchange competitor with built-in security that works with every Android phone built right into the OS. Yeah. It would make sense. Maybe it'll still be a possibility. Who knew? <laughs> Who knows? We'll just wait for our prediction show here in a month and a half or so. <laughs> Are we still doing prediction shows? I was actually just going to ask that. Are we going to do one? <laughs> I, I predict that we will. Oh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, it looks like this became the prediction show. 
I, I think we've kind of become irrelevant on prediction shows because we give predictions all the time. Yeah. And we tend to be and right they, a lot. But we're always wrong on the time frame. Yeah. And the Blackberry failures. <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, one we just can't seem to quite get right. They're the cockroach of the tech world. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Google. Google had a massive failure this week. Um, well, failure for them. It was awesome for everyone else. Maybe. It depends on your perspective, though. (laughs) This is true. This is true. I mean, they use a lot of scary words in this headline here. Um, uh, Global failure. Um, That's a scary word. Yeah. Actually, it's two words. And disappear. That's scary. Um, So Google's largest business is actually not search. It's ads. And Wednesday morning, an unusual glitch hit the tech world when Google's ad serving tool kind of failed and served up blank spaces instead of advertisements. Suffered global failure. Rare failure. Um, It lasted for about two hours. And it probably cost, well, they say here, and I'm on GigaOm. 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 Ohm. Ohm. GigaOm. GigaOm. Um, um, they say here that it's probably cost them millions of dollars I'm willing to bet uh, tens of millions of dollars when you consider how much money they make either Google directly or people through Google ads how much they make every second and it was down for two hours worldwide that's a lot of money think of how much that sucks though if you were paying money for ads that were not being served up yeah, if you pay for minute or for second, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not quite like the Super Bowl though. True. Right? Typically internet ads are, are per instance or per presentation. Right. But if they're not so they, being presented. A lot of different payment methods, but yeah. that's so You know the the interesting thing about that, I didn't even notice it. <laughs> ad blocker. Ad blocker. Yeah. I had no clue. Yeah. Um I love this. Uh, it has uh, here on Twitter DFP uh, down globally enjoy a fantastic user experience now <laughs> yeah um, i use ad blocker as well uh for every site except ours stolendroids.com mm-hmm. and uh i didn't even notice everything mm-hmm. worked fine for me the the one place that i did notice uh now that i think back on it um are in uh, google apps or i mean sorry android apps uh, a few of the android apps that i use do use double click which was one of the affected um, outlets there and for for a couple hours they didn't serve up any ads so it's kind of uh you know double click is one of those one of those big ad servers so yeah mm. you know can i say when i first switched over to android years ago got my first smartphone ads didn't seem to be as pervasive as they are now and it has gotten to the point where i'm having to use ad blockers on my f- mobile devices now just because they are serving up ads constantly to me. I can't stand it. See, I'm going to have to pick your brain off the air because I need an ad blocker for my phone and I can't figure my Windows phone. This is not me trying to gush about Windows phone again, but it must have had some inbuilt ad blocking in Internet Explorer because I'd be browsing websites and I never had a problem. I moved to Android and I'm getting them constantly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's probably more likely that AdSense and DoubleClick, which are Google-owned properties, simply work better with Chrome on Android. That's a very real possibility. It's possible that my Android is giving them more information, and ergo, they're serving up ads to me. 
or possibly, I don't know, Windows Phone had some built-in blockers. But yeah, I'm in the same boat, and I'm going to have to pick <laughs> your brain here on how to get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, it just it because- just drives me nuts. I upgraded uh, both my Nexus 7 and Nexus 5 yesterday to Lollipop. Beat ya. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) rub it in. And I realized, like, within minutes that I lost root access on my, on my tablet. So I had to hurry and root it today and install ad blockers on again because it just, it's unacceptable to me. Let's talk about that real fast. It's not in the show notes. I don't think we need to have it in the show notes because, well, if you have an Android, you were there, you were following it. Um, earlier this week, LG announced that they would be the first ones out with Lollipop on all LG G3s in Poland. And they were really, really proud of beating the Nexus line and Motorola and Samsung and everyone else with the first official Lollipop release in Poland. Now, why in Poland? No one seems to have any clue. There's probably like six Um, people. It's an easy rollout. Possibly, yeah. And I keep whispering the in Poland part because I didn't see that at first. And I have a G3 and Schmitty has a G3 and I was all excited and I was rubbing it in Zoner's face and life was going to be good. And then it's only in Poland and life sucks again. (laughs) Not to be outdone, Motorola then rolled it out to all Moto G and Moto X phones. What was that, Wednesday morning? Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday morning. That was that was Wednesday morning. Uh, rolls it out live to everyone worldwide saying, okay, if you got a Moto G or Moto X, here you go. At which point, I think, um, I mean, for those of you who don't really, they're not familiar with it, the Nexus line, the entire premise behind it is that they get updates first. They get updates, and they're always the plain vanilla Google experience. It's not loaded with bloatware. It doesn't have specialized launchers. It doesn't have all that special adware. It, it is straight Android. Well, yeah, the, the the main idea of Nexus is just straight Android. That's not the idea that they get the updates faster. It's just that That's because just they're straight the Android that they get updates faster. It, they didn't, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Okay, so it's kind of like a side effect. Yeah. Well, that side effect failed in this case. Um, LG did get out to Poland first, and then Motorola started rolling out. And within a couple hours of Motorola launching Lollipop, I think Google said, oh, this is not going to stand, and started rolling it out to Nexus devices fast. Um, And the last 48 hours for me has been nothing but me hitting the refresh on my system update check. Um, I still don't have it. I think you're still weeks away, dude. I think you're still weeks away. My entire office was basically just sitting there hitting the refresh on their phones and trying to manually force an update to their phones. But uh, see, that's where you just grab the factory image off Google site and flash it yourself. Oh, but you can't do that. Or you just be patient and wait like the rest of us. I can't do that either. (laughs) I have work to get done. I I can't sit there and hit the refresh button all day at work. So I'm just going to be patient. (laughs) <laughs> I multitask. I'm actually working, and and I'm ex- ambidextrous too. So with my left hand, I can just sit there and. I oh, see, but I'm also no, playing I'm Clash of Clans too, so I can't be hitting a refresh button. <laughs> you know, th- that is why I haven't played for a while. The problem, uh, though, with uh, as I see it, with the Nexus update, Google does a very limited rollout because they want to make sure it's not gonna. I don't know, Apple all their devices. <laughs> 
Is that the new phrase for bricking an Android? Yeah, you're appling you're it. Appling it. Don't so, I mean, I understand why they do it the way they do. And I think they only start with rollouts to like the 1% of the devices. And then they gradually increase that over the coming days and weeks. But man, my last name starts with a Z. I'm always at the last. And so I, I'm pretty sure they go alphabetical because it's like, I'm like the redheaded stepchild of updates when it comes to getting them in a timely manner. So I just say screw it and I do it on my own. Well, geez, maybe if you were just patient. No. No. <laughs> Mr. I click the refresh button all day long. Well, I'm just throwing Schmitty's words out there again. Anyway, if you have a <laughs> Nexus out there, maybe you want to check the software update. And if you want, and I'm not saying you should because it's kind of tricky, uh, manually flash an update. Because you got Lollipop. And I will say this, a Lollipop is awesome. <laughs> um, let's talk about a vulnerability. It's a big one. And it's a 19-year-old one. Uh, it's legal now. <laughs> it can buy cigarettes. Uh, it can buy cigarettes, yeah. Uh, IBM Labs found a vulnerability in Microsoft Windows that dates back to code that is 19 years old. Which means it's in nearly every single version of Windows, including Windows RT. Yep. Um, supposedly, and I'm taking their word at this, you know, I'm trusting them. No one has been using this vulnerability yet, and they didn't announce it or even that they were working on it until they had a critical patch rolled out. So if Tuesday morning you suddenly got a whole load of critical updates on your computer and Windows screaming at you to restart now to install those updates, I sure hope you did because, um, Evidently, this is one bad mother. It allows a hacker or an attacker to run executable code on a target machine without you knowing. Messy. That's all the information they're giving. But. but it has to be through Internet Explorer um, and a specific site. So if you use Chrome the whole, all the time, then don't worry about this. <laughs> That's not entirely true because Internet Explorer is tied very closely into Windows Explorer as well. Explorer is throughout the entire Windows system. Right. So even if you never use Internet Explorer, you're still using Internet Explorer. Touche. So um, just the same. It's a free update. It's a free patch and you're safer with it. So if you haven't recently, check Windows Update and restart your computer, please. Now, uh, evidently, they found this vulnerability in the summer, so they've been working on this patch for a few months. <laughs> you know, I'm amazed that this has been able to go undetected for 19 years. How? how I mean, what kind of QA department do they have where they can let a bug like this, a vulnerability like this, just slip through the cracks for all those years? I'll, I'll, I'll well, step in as, as the developer here. Um, it, it's not that that the it slipped through the cracks. It's just that there there are certain things... Um, in a user experience that you don't think of testing. I mean, there, there I are. I understand that, that. I'm in testing yeah. for a living. I know. Okay, but I mean, look at look at the SSL vulnerability that uh, has been in Linux, um, for example, for over 19 years, um, and not just SSL, but even the even the command line hack that was uh, a vulnerability. So I mean, it's not it's not that it was anybody's fault. It just no one thought to test that scenario because. It's it's like a one in a billion chance that someone's going to stumble on that. So it's more like security out of obscurity than it's a feature they forgot to fix. You know. Okay. Not to mention when, when typically um, when people say this vulnerability has existed for X amount of time, if it's a brand new thing, 
then I usually blame the QA. Right. Okay. Because that means it only took the rest of the population a week to find this vulnerability. When it's been 19 years, or like those uh, those vulnerabilities that happened in Unix or Linux that uh, Schmitty mentioned earlier, where it was like, I think, 26 years, uh, when it's been that long, it typically means that when it was made, the vulnerability didn't exist. I mean, it existed, but there was no, they never tested it because there is no time, no way at the time for people to get to the vulnerability. There was no way to exploit it. Right. Okay. And it just became legacy code that never got looked at again. That actually yeah, makes or, a lot of sense. I, I can I can go with that. That or or in case of this, it might be some really weird way of of writing the code, uh, uh, such a weird way that uh, a well practiced programmer would never do it that way. It would take you know fifteen random keystrokes or something, for example, to get something like that through, and and that might never happen. You know, so it might be something like that. Yeah. Uh, and when it's some place like IBM Labs stumbling across the vulnerability and not some random hacker from Tampa, it usually means that it, it's a very rare or hard to find vulnerability. Yeah. It wasn't just out in the open, but evidently it was a big enough deal that it warranted patching <laughs> everything. Like, I think the patch was even for Windows 95. Yeah. Makes me wonder if they if there's other vulnerabilities they have found in other systems and just haven't let anyone know because they're still working on fixes. <laughs> I wouldn't, Possibly. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like the fact that windows can't recognize a nine <laughs> or a Scottish accent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go into some tech business. Um, Yahoo. I swear this is like the second or third time we've had to report on this. Yahoo has some top investors who are unhappy with how Yahoo's been doing. That is to say, doing well. Um, and they're so unhappy with it that they want CEO Marissa Meyer out. And they want AOL to take over. They want Yahoo to merge with AOL. I don't know if these investors are aware of this or not, but AOL does not exactly have the strongest track record. <laughs> it don't say. Hey, AOL was awesome in 98. Yeah, I hung their discs up on my wall, um, and uh, yeah, they were my decoration. I actually used to go get a stack of them every every December at the grocery <laughs> store because you know how they had them there at the check stand. I'd go grab <laughs> a big old stack of them and I give them as white elephant gifts. <laughs> yeah, um, there is a lot more business behind the scenes happening here, uh, but it's kind of stupid because. The reason they're giving, they're saying that Marissa Meyer has not done enough to turn Yahoo around. Evidently, they haven't been listening to our show because she's done quite a bit to turn it around. And uh, Yahoo's in Yahoo is supposed to become poised to become the biggest turnaround kid that we've ever seen. They're making money again, which is not easy to do in a world where Google exists. You know, they're making money in ads. They're making money in mobile. They're making money in news. It's it's incredible. But the real reason here is actually because those shareholders want AOL to take over so Yahoo can spin off their web and email services uh, in Asia because they believe they can make more money by doing that. Okay, that makes a little more sense. They don't actually care about Yahoo. They want AOL to take over Yahoo to cut it up and split it up. And then they get a payout. Wow. Okay. Um, 
Now, I could go into a lot more detail, but I can't because I suck at business uh, and economics. Two things. Um, but this is, like I said, this is not the first time this has happened. The last time this happened, um, I forget who it was, but they wanted someone else to take over AOL. Remember? They wanted to merge then, too, because they weren't happy with Marissa Meyer. And this was like after she'd been on the job for like two months. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. But weird stuff. Uh, I'd like uh, to just see her like bring all these investors into the boardroom and slap them all across the forehead. Just yep, just. yep, yep. Um, okay, we're running low on time, so let's blow through some uh, some other politics. Because hey, that doesn't take much time, right? <laughs> President Obama <laughs> came out uh, earlier this week and voted. He didn't really vote. That's the wrong word because there wasn't a vote, but he voiced his support for net neutrality. And the idea of an open Internet. Now, I don't care which side of the podium you vote on. The one thing that President Obama has been um, consistent in, even when he was campaigning before he was ever president, is net neutrality. It has always been one of the tent poles in his campaign. Wants to make it akin to a utility. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Even when it looked like he may be possibly supporting the idea of a hybrid approach between net uh, open network with a. with a fast lane idea by merging the two ideas, he was still saying he preferred the open internet idea. The FCC chairman uh, basically came out and said, yeah, I don't care what the president wants. And then he said this wonderful quote, I am our, my own agency, which is like the judge dread way of saying, I don't have to listen to anyone. Yeah. I am an independent agency. He says. Yeah, I'm an independent. No, no, I'm. I think you misspoke. I think it's we. We are an independent agency, not not you. Yeah. Um. Now, the the FCC chairman Tom uh, Wheeler, uh, he used to be a lobbyist for the cable industry. So, I, I it can't help but wonder maybe there's some ulterior motives there. Yeah, his money's in the pockets of some powerful companies there. Yeah. Uh. And, and in response to that. Um, Gizmodo ran this great article this week on how much money is in whose pockets. And it listed out the top people who receive contributions from the cable companies um, and who receive the least. Now, to be fair, there are some people who receive a lot of money from them who do not vote in favor of them, which, hey, I guess if you're going to pocket someone's money and still not bend your scruples, more power to you. (laughs) Um, But that's obviously not the rule here. That's the exception. Uh, we're talking about people who receive upwards around 90,000. No, I'm sorry, not 90,000, uh, 50,000. Uh, there's 54,000. Uh, there's another 44,000. And that's not even including donations made to super PACs who don't have to report how much they were donated or who they gave that money to. <laughs> what, do we even have that data? Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> no, no. The, the 54,000 is only the money we know about it's to crazy. that person. <laughs> uh, yeah, a whole lot we could go into there about why that's all screwed up, but it's screwed up. I think, though, that that illustrates the a lot of politicians view in Washington, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on. I don't have to answer to you. I'm going to do what the hell I want. I'm taking it from here. Sit down. Shut up. Get back in line. I, I, well, no, no, no. no. I, I think let's modify that slightly. I think the main attitude of a lot of politicians is I don't have to do what you're telling me to do. I'm going to do whatever these guys have paid me to do. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Speaking of getting paid, Taylor Swift launched a new album recently called 1989, which makes me feel incredibly old. But <laughs> imagine um, how I doing feel. So, well, you are old. So uh, on top of that. I'm getting ready to get flipped off here over webcam. Uh, she also pulled her entire catalog from Spotify. I'm mad about that. Um, I'm not. Which was kind of a surprise, actually. Um, and, and said basically that, uh, well, she didn't say, but her label stated that uh, it simply wasn't lucrative. Well, um, Daniel Eck, the, uh, the president of Spotify or CEO, um, goes on to a very lengthy blog post very lengthy i mean i thought it was very good uh but went on there saying you know this isn't quite right music has changed the music industry has changed and taylor swift's label is incorrect spotify performs a service we receive money from people and we give money back to artists we've given over two billion dollars back into the music industry and taylor swift was on um what was it 600 million here she was on track to make 600 million dollars in a year or is it six million? I think it's six million. Six million, yeah. Six million dollars in a year. And that's only growing. And they go on to point out, it's like, you know, we perform a service. And the service may not be what you want. And it may not be great. But you're still getting paid for it. Meanwhile, you go over to the, to the Pirate Bay. And guess what's on the very top of their most recent list? And it's Taylor Swift's 1989. So artists have their choice of either getting paid for it from us or not getting paid for it through piracy. Taylor Swift's label shot back. They've never received that much money from Spotify that they almost made half a million dollars over the past year and a half. Um, to which I say that's still more than zero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I get the feeling there's more at work here. Um, little known fact here. Well, little known fact for people who don't follow Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's family partially owns the record label that she is under. They bought stock into it. They bought into it. They own more than half of it. They own a controlling stock, actually. Um, it's also uh, the same label that also has country artist Jason Aldean, amongst others, who have also pulled their catalogs from Spotify. That record label's up for sale right now. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Methinks there is an ulterior motive here. Methinks that they are actually just holding out for more money. But, you know, if it's the label that's got Jason Aldean and Taylor Swift, I'm thinking it's probably a record label that, while financially lucrative, is one that I don't want to listen to their catalog. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. I remember back in the days of Metallica suing everyone over Napster, but there are few quicker ways to sour a fan base than to turn them into nothing but dollar signs. Yeah. Well, try try explaining to your seven-year-old daughter why she can't listen to Shake It Off by Taylor Swift anymore. They don't understand all that stuff. I, you know, we have to we had to we have to pull it up on YouTube now and and her music video isn't safe for kids. So I'm I'm faced with a very difficult position as a parent where, you know, her her music is just fine, but the music video isn't something that my seven-year-old should be watching. <laughs> so that it kind it's of all those sexy ballerinas yeah well yeah and the shaking of the rumps and all the twerking the twerking <laughs> the shaking of the rumps i want a sound clip of that that is i've never heard a more old man statement ever <laughs> them girls are shaking them rumps <laughs> oh my god you know, okay. this, and 
I, I don't know if you guys know, I took my, she's now nine. I took my daughter to Taylor Swift's concert when she came through Salt Lake last time uh, for her birthday. And that made me the best dad ever. But Taylor Swift up to that point uh, and up to this point really has been able to cultivate an image and, and protect her image very closely so that it doesn't become tarnished. So, you know, you have these little girls, you have these teenage kids, whatever, who just think she can do no wrong. Now with this, is this a big misstep on her part? Is this going to sour her fans to her like you were talking, Zook? Is this something that's going to, you know, is this her first real big misstep in her public public persona? I don't uh, I think it is, but I don't think it's going to hurt her too much as an artist. And the reason why I say that, I mean, this is a very shrewd business move. But in the world, you still have a lot of people divided amongst online streaming. You have the side that says, oh, they're nothing but pirates. Well, yeah, but they're paying you. Well, I don't care. They're still pirates. (laughs) And the other side going, how are we pirates? How are we any worse than an actual radio station? We're paying you more for the same thing. We have a license with you. You know, there's the part that views it as a legitimate business model and the other side that says these new young kids are taking all of our money. And that's still such a up in the air thing that I think a lot of people aren't going to look at it too closely. You know, 2000, 2001, Metallica suing old ladies because they happen because their grandkids downloaded a few songs, you know, $900,000 fines for downloading two songs. That was relatable. People understood that. High name band, high big name band suing old lady for nearly a million dollars for nothing. I mean, that was a huge misstep. Taylor Swift making a shrewd business decision and not going through a certain distribution outlet. People in the know know what's going on. They know how that's not justified. I think the average radio listener isn't going to care. Yeah, good point. So, so long as she wins a few video music awards and she's on MTV enough, they aren't going to care. Still sold a lot of that album. So, yeah, she... Yeah, she did sell a lot of that album. A lot, a lot. <laughs> um, speaking of selling a lot, we need to hurry up here. But uh, October was a good month for comic books. Who knew? Yes, comic book resources knew. <laughs> yes, um, sold over eight, almost eight point five. Uh, it looks like eight point four million units for the top three hundred comics, which is the highest sales since March of two thousand three. And at the top of the top of the list, I think is your favorite comic, Zoner, wasn't it? Um, Walking Dead was, was at the top of that. List. Was Walking Dead at the top? I know that Batman was in the top. Um, a lot of the, from what I gather, a lot of the titles that were in the top ten were kind of gimmicky, and I think they were saying that Batman, Walking Dead, only a few, only a handful of them are probably going to stay in the top ten. But yeah. th- this is good news because I mean this is the highest they've had since they started tracking these sorts of these sorts of numbers. But interestingly enough, The Walking Dead was given out as a loot crate um, uh, insert, which helped to bolster those numbers. But you know, just the same though. I mean, we live in such a comics-rich environment now. Walking Dead is one of the top-rated shows. Okay, Constantine is now on the air, Ooh, and that's good. Thor, Thor is uh, a great um, 
a great series. You have Iron Man, great series. You have the Avengers. You have freaking Rocket Raccoon, which debuted a few months ago. You have the regular, the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy. You have the Flash. You have Arrow. You have a resurgence of Batman with Gotham. Everywhere you turn right now, there's a comics book property out that's drawing in more people who normally wouldn't have been going to comics in the first place. Plus all the people who do go to comics. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Growing. It's it's a good time to be a comic nerd. Unless you're a hipster comic nerd that just wants all this to go away so you can enjoy your comic books in peace again. <laughs> now, this is the highest it's been since like Infinite Crisis, right? I don't know. It's it's pretty high. It's it's doing they're they're doing well. Like the article says that they have not had numbers this high since they started reporting in 2003. Yeah. Um Two quick uh, headlines here. Uh, we're not going to go into them because one of them is still rumor and they've been talking about it forever. And the other one is just, unfortunately, someone being a diva. Um, Evil Dead is going to be coming back and Bruce Campbell is going to be in it. Yeah. TV series on TV. Yes. Uh, so kind of excited about that. Uh, by the way, gentlemen, I listened to uh, SD files most recently. Your uh, your zombie origins part two. Uh, yes. Evil Dead. The first one was a horror Evil Dead, the second one, was the first one again, only as a comedy. Oh, I forgot. Okay. And then the third one, Army of Darkness, was a straight-on comedy sequel. And I understand the, first I understand the third one's the comedy. The second one I never the, saw. But. The first one was so campy and so bad that it became a cult favorite. So they decided to just put tongue firmly in cheek, redid it <laughs> as a, just a camp B-movie. They just totally embraced it, and it's the same story over again. I was not aware of that. For the sake of just making money. (laughs) Yeah, for the most part. So, And you should check out SD Files here on StolenDroids.com. And uh, finally, Idris Elba, in a recent interview, spoiled some teasers uh, from Avengers Age of Ultron. Joss Whedon probably wasn't very happy about that. And also spoiled the fact that he's really tired of being in Marvel movies. uh, (laughs) Because now that he's uh, been in uh, Mandela, he's been Nelson Mandela, he doesn't think he should do these anymore. Um, they're beneath him. <laughs> yeah, you can probably hear more about this in Squishy's comics and movies. Also here on StolenDroids.com, where Doctor Squishy will probably discuss this more. But dude, you're a freaking god in a Marvel movie. We would kill to be you. No one looks at you as Heimdall and say, "Hey, there's Nelson Mandela." <laughs> right. Just saying. <laughs> All right, my favorite this week. Uh, Epic Rap Battles of History has started season number four, and they start out swinging. This is not safe for work, unless you work in one of those places, and it's not safe for kids, but it is the Ghostbusters versus the Mythbusters. It is epic. What's one of those places? (laughs) You know. You know. You know those places. You Um, know those places. Also, if you work in places, my favorite is... No, just kidding. You can pull up my favorite wherever you work. It's fine. Um, this is, uh, if you're into Wikipedia, like I am, um, you can watch it be updated in real time. Uh, this guy built this this map, and uh, you can watch updates happen in real time and from where the update is happening. Um, then he also built a, uh, a website where you can listen to it. Anytime someone updates Wikipedia, you hear a nice guitar tone. Um, anytime they remove something from it, there's a different tone and it makes a really nice serene Zen music sound. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's really cool just because uh, it gives you an idea of how, how often Wikipedia is actually updated. So. It's like Ravi Shankar. Just sitting there, just 
Um, we're, we're running low on time, so I'm going to be quick. You know we like Clash of Clans. You know I like Star Wars a little bit. And the two have merged. Star Wars Commander is now on Android. Go get it. Go play it. We have a Stolen Droids clan. Calm. Yes, we do. Uh, squad. Squad, yes. Yeah. You can, yeah, come, come hang with us. Very cool. That is our show this week. Again, let us know how we're doing. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.